Hello everyone and welcome to the AdWeb. Our guest today is Brandon Leibovitz, the founder of SEO Optimizers. Brandon is an SEO expert and a renowned public speaker whose opinion on SEO issues carries a lot of weight. He has been in the space since 2007, which is several generations in search engineers. Nevertheless, it wasn't a trivial choice. Why would a podcast about information quality invite an SEO expert to talk about search engines? Here's the macro view of it. The basic premise of a search engine is that users want to find the best content for them. Content creators generate the best content they can, and the search engine comes up with the most efficient way to match the two together. But what happens in reality is that every time the search engine comes up with a heuristic, it creates an incentive for content creators to try and game the system by adjusting their content to match this heuristic. And instead of creating the best content they can create, they focus on creating content that mentions the right keywords or entices the right websites to link back to it, etc. The content generated through this practice is not meant to deliver value to anyone. It is meant to siphon traffic off of Google. And the backlinks generated through this practice are not indicative of quality the way citations and research studies are. They are a currency that is traded and exchanged between websites. So my pre-existing view is that the heuristics used by Google and the attempts by content creators to game these heuristics result in a tremendous amount of junk being generated. The guiding star of this entire process is not value creation. It is an attempt to divine the intent of God, i.e. Google, in the hopes that God sends a bountiful harvest, i.e. traffic, your way. But perhaps I was wrong all along. Let's see how the conversation goes and you be the judge. Hey, Brandon, welcome to the other web. Thanks for having me on today. All right, thank you for joining us. So you've been running an SEO marketing company for a while now, and I'm a complete dilettante in the space. So let me start from a really, really general question. What is SEO? Why should people care? SEO is search engine optimization, which means ranking websites on Google. When you search on Google, there's ads at the top. Those are all paid ads, but right below the ads are the organic listings. And SEO is trying to get you in those free listings so you can capture that free traffic from Google and not have to pay for ads. So essentially, someone's searching for your product or service and you're not showing up, your competitors are getting that traffic. So with SEO, we're making you show up. That way you could capture that traffic and in turn get them to convert into sales or leads, phone calls, whatever that conversion goal is that you're trying to trying to focus on. It sounds like some of the methods that people use to do what you just mentioned are white hat. They're actually helping the reader of the website get something that they search for. And some methods are black hat or more unsavory. Can you give us a breakdown of what you've seen in the market? What do various companies do depending on where they position themselves on the spectrum? Well, you don't want to do anything that's going to get you in trouble because if Google sees that you're doing anything deceptive, they're going to penalize you and drop you down in rankings, which we don't want that to happen. So if you do anything that seems too good to be true or too easy, too quick to get rankings, it might work temporarily, but long-term it's not going to rank. So you never want to do that on your own website. Maybe if you have like test websites that you don't care about, you could do that, but you'd never want to do it on your own business because that's going to get you potentially dropped down off Google, worst case scenario, kicked off Google permanently, which we do not want that to happen. So I'm asking less in terms of advice for what should you do and more in terms of forensic analysis of what do people do in general? What have you observed in the market? What practices have you seen that used to work but stopped working or that are only used by, let's say, the scammier parts of the market? 
Uh, I mean, there's so many different ones. I could, some of the more popular ones are like backlinks. The backlinks that you build have to be good quality backlinks. In the past, there's just the more backlinks you had, the higher you'd rank. Now it's not the number of backlinks, but the number of quality backlinks. So finding sites that are relevant and authoritative versus just any random site, or if you're like putting in font size 0.001 with white text and your website is white colored website and you're like hiding text, that would be deceptive or people click onto your website. And then all of a sudden after going to your website, it redirects them to some like pharmaceutical or pornography type of site. That would be something negative too. And Google sees this happening all the time and they're just trying to stop this stuff from happening. I mean, there's so many other ones like content copied from one page to another becomes duplicate content, which Google doesn't like. They want original content. So whoever publishes content first, they get prioritization and usually rank higher faster than someone that's just going to copy and paste it onto their own website. But there's so many different <laughs> tricks that people do. People like buy fake websites. So people could buy websites that are and rebuilt or make websites and they look like real businesses, but there's just a website there for SEO to build backlinks. They're called private blog networks where people just build all these blogs. They make them make them look real, but they're not real websites and they'll give you backlinks and those backlinks are not going to be the best. It's just like social media. A lot of people make fake accounts, these like ghost accounts and will sell you followers and you get all these followers and they look real, but they're not real accounts. They have a profile picture. They have status updates, but they're not real people. Just like these private blog networks, they look like real blogs. They look like real websites, but they're actually fake. And Google is able to see through all that stuff and tries to penalize those websites that are being linked out from those types of sites. So finding good quality sites and I mean, a lot of it does come down to those backlinks. Backlinks are probably one of the biggest things where people game the system, trick Google, build low quality backlinks, and Google doesn't want that. So I'm really curious about the content piece and what you mentioned. I've often come across websites that look like a real blog, and every article on it has the structure of an article, but something seems off in the language. Either it was written somewhere else and then rewritten just to not be caught as plagiarism, or maybe there was even some bot involved in rewriting them. Is that pervasive practice? Do you see that a lot? Yeah, Google wants quality content. They don't care who writes it. Google even said if it's written by AI, doesn't matter. As long as it's helpful and useful, that's all that matters. Because Google's seen over the years all those tricks of people writing low quality content that Google doesn't care about who writes it. They just want to make sure it's helpful and useful to the reader. That's really what matters. How do you, as an expert in the space, define what good quality content is? How do you tell the difference? Um, it's helpful. It doesn't have extra keywords in there. It reads properly. It speaks to the person. It's not extra text. So if it's like someone searching for what is 10 plus 10, and then the answer is a 10,000 word article, that's probably not going to be very helpful. But someone's looking at like how to fix a flat tire that could be a couple thousand words. So just trying to speak to the reader and not just writing to just write, like people usually write 400 words of content just to have it up there or more, but it's really, you got to write for the person. You got to write for what they're looking for and not throw extra keywords in there and all these extra unnecessary things. Just make sure you're providing value. I've seen a lot of instructional blog posts on how to do content marketing properly. And very often they start from research, which keywords you want to rank for. And then people write an article that is basically stuffed with these keywords just to, I guess, fill up their blog with articles that might rank. 
How often do you see this and what alternative would you suggest for people who want to do content marketing properly? Well, you definitely want to do keyword research. You want to figure out what keywords you want to target. And then from there, you can find a or get creative and try to figure out an article topic that incorporates that keyword in it. That's catchy. It's unique. That stands out. That will get people to want to actually click and read onto it. But inside the content, you don't really need to put those keywords in there. Just write for people. I've seen websites that rank for keywords that I search for. And those keywords are not anywhere on that page just because Google's understanding semantic web and the intention and your geolocation and personalization and all these other things that they're doing with machine learning that you don't necessarily need keywords, just write for people. And when you're writing the for people, eventually those keywords should emerge in that content. And if not, then you're probably not writing the right content that you should probably think, all right, I'm targeting this keyword, but it doesn't pop up anytime in this content, then maybe this content isn't about this keyword. And maybe I should try to refocus this content to target that keyword or target a different keyword or get creative and just try to figure out how to make sure it's it's relevant because it all comes down to relevancy. If someone's searching for your keyword on Google and then they go to your website and it's not about that keyword, it's not going to be a good user experience. And they're probably going to hit that back button, which Google doesn't want them to do. So making sure that you write to solve that problem that that person's searching for is really the most important thing to Google. But then I have to ask the purest question of why research keywords to begin with. Why not just write what you know the most about? If you're knowledgeable on a topic, that's probably what you should be writing about and not about whatever keyword you think is less competitive on Google. So you want to do keyword research because I could do my own classes. I do SEO classes. So if I want to target the word SEO classes, I could say, yeah, let me do SEO classes, but let me check. Does SEO class get more searches or SEO classes or SEO training? Because they're all going to get different search volume. And then I can figure out which ones get the most search volume and have that as my main keyword. And then the rest of those that get lower search volume be incorporated in that content somewhere. But the main focus should be on the, the higher search volume keyword because SEO class might get 50 searches. SEO classes might get 500 searches a month. SEO training might get 5,000 searches every single month. So you want to try to find the ones that have intent behind it, but also have some search volume. But if Google understands the semantic meaning behind words really well, wouldn't Google be able to understand that your article that uses the keyword SEO class is also about SEO classes and about SEO training just as well? We would hope, but Google's just a robot and they're not there yet. They're getting closer which I've, I've seen it happen a couple times where websites don't rank or rank without having keywords, but I've only seen that like twice or three times. Like usually you need it there. So Google still needs you to spoon feed them as much information as possible. In the future, they're going to get better at it. But right now you really need to give them as much information. The more you give to Google or any search engine, the easier you're going to make their life and they're going to know what keywords you're targeting because otherwise they're just going to guess. And when it's a robot guessing right now, it's not good. It's pretty off. Maybe in 10 years, it'll be much better. But right now, you still really get to give them as much information as you can. So this leads us to something that you and I actually explored in our correspondence before this episode, which is, it sounds like some of the practice of SEO is basically fixing Google's inefficiency. The fact that Google doesn't understand that your article is about this particular phrasing and a different phrasing might have higher search volume is what requires an SEO person to kind of bridge the gap. And to substitute the keywords for the ones that are more popular in search, just because Google cannot make this connection. So does that make the entire practice temporary in nature? It only exists until Google figures this thing out? 
No, because that's only one piece of it. So Google doesn't really care what you put on the website because they're not going to trust you without you building trust. So I could build a website and I could say, let's say I build a website and say, I'm a dentist. And I say, come to brandonsdentist.com and I'm a dentist and I'll help you out. And Google's like, all right, are you really a dentist? Because we don't want to just send people to your dental office and find out it doesn't exist or it's not real. So they want to see what are called backlinks. They want to see other websites talking about you. The more websites that talk about you, the more trust Google is going to give. So if I'm a dentist, Google wants to see that I'm on like WebMD or I'm on Yelp or Wikipedia or MapQuest and Apple Maps and Google Maps. And the more websites that you're on, the more trust Google is going to give to you. So that's the part that has the most impact is building backlinks or getting Google to trust you because Google just looks at every website and says, we don't believe you are who you say you are because too many websites have done what we talked about at the beginning, all those shady kind of unethical tactics. Google sees it and it happens all the time that Google just thinks that you're a spammer, hacker type of website and you have to build trust to let Google know that, no, I'm a real business. I'm not here scamming people or ripping people off. Let's say that instead of writing content to promote some secondary profession, like if I'm a dentist, I'm writing articles about dental science, but my main purpose is to bring people to my dental practice, right? What if my focus is content creation? I am a journalist, let's say. In this case, I can't write articles about journalism just to rank for it so people come and consume my normal content. My normal content is the product. Does the practice differ in this case or is it about the same? What changes might it entail? No, it doesn't matter what type of business you are. You always need to have backlinks. Google's algorithm works pretty much the same for every website. It's just building different types of backlinks. Like if you're a journalist, you want to find sites related to journalism or news or whatever topics that you're covering, getting in like PR, press release sites and stuff like that. If you're a dentist, you want to be in more local or health related sites. If you're a restaurant, you want to be in sites related to food and whatever it is. But for the most part, it's always going to be similar strategies. It's just incorporating the right type of keywords and the right type of backlinks into your website versus a different industry. And that's where we can look at your competitors, look at all their backlinks and then one by one, start trying to reach out to all those sites and seeing if you could get a backlink from those sites. Like maybe if you're a journalist, you might write and have guest spots in other journalism or other websites that are about new or whatever that you're journaling about. But you get published on all these other sites and that helps build your name out, your credibility, your trust. And that's a big part of Google's algorithm is expertise, authoritativeness, and trust. Well, it's called EAT. They added an extra E actually this year where it's expertise, experience, authoritativeness, and trust. And that's a big part of how they rank websites is making sure that you're published on other websites. That puts your name out there, your experience, how long have you been doing it? And that just helps Google trust you a little bit more. So I'm still trying to figure out how much of this is a practice that primarily exists as a counterbalance to what Google does. So Google comes up with a new way to evaluate what they consider trust. And then you essentially have to come up with a new way to give Google exactly what it wants. But at what point in this entire chain do we get something that's objectively better or objectively worse? Is it all just a cat and mouse game? Yeah, pretty much. It's trying not to be a cat and mouse, but trying to do what Google wants. So they reward you, not trying to jump to what Google's doing next, because they're pretty much doing the same thing that they started doing. I mean, I didn't do SEO back when they first started in the nineties, but in 2007, when I started still pretty much the same content backlinks, it's changed a lot, how they look at content and how they look at backlinks. And now they look at other variables, like how fast your website loads and mobile friendliness, because back in 2007, there weren't really many mobile websites. So 
there's little things that they add to it, but the main kind of core is building back, getting Google to trust you and making sure you have the right type of content, meaning text. Google can't really read images or videos or audio yet. They're really, they're getting closer, but they still struggle off of it. So they rely heavily on that text. The more text you have, the easier it is for them to know what your website's about. And the more quality backlinks you have, the more trust Google's going to give to you. Is all of this going to change with what we've seen from Bing a few days ago, where they essentially acquired ChatGPT and, and rolled it out as a separate search engine that doesn't link to other sites, but rather summarizes everything it's seen on other sites? So how would that affect those sites' ability to attract attention using the methods that you're discussing? I mean, it's like Google already does that. When you search on Google, they have that featured snippet a lot of the time where you search on Google, the answer is right there. So it's taken away a lot of traffic, especially for like Wikipedia, sites like that, where they just pull it in. I feel like they lost uh, almost half their traffic when Google starts pulling that in. So Google's been doing stuff like that. But if you're an e-commerce website, like you're selling tennis shoes, chat GPT is not going to show you the tennis shoes. It's not going to let you buy off of it. I mean, maybe in the future, but right now you still need to go to websites to actually purchase off them. So it depends what type of search you're doing. Like if someone's searching for like restaurants near me, chat GPT might give them a list, but it's not gonna be the same as like a Yelp or Google maps where it's like, it's actually categorized with reviews and things like that. But we'll have to see what happens in the future. But how would it be different from Yelp just to play devil's advocate? If the whole point of Yelp is essentially to give me the five best restaurants in the area of a particular style and ChatGPT already summarized it and evaluated the reviews so I don't have to, doesn't that essentially make the entire business model Yelp has of showing me ads on top of those reviews expendable? Oh yeah, definitely. But I'm not sure how ChatGPT does with local searches. I haven't tried that one. So I'll have to test that out, but I don't think they show the reviews in there. I mean, they might say this is what's number one on Yelp or number two on Yelp, but still probably want to read those reviews, check them out because can't trust anything online. Everything gets manipulated. Like half those reviews are fake, unfortunately. So a lot of times you want to look at Yelp or Amazon or Google Maps to see who wrote those reviews, the profile pictures. Are they just all kind of filler content? Because like Google Maps, you don't even need to write a review. You can just put five stars and they'll give you five-star rating. They're not going to filter it like Yelp will. So you still want to maybe have some human analysis. And also ChatGPT is wrong a lot of the time when I search. But the more people that use it, the more it's going to learn, the better it's going to be. So it's definitely going to be a contestant, but we'll have to see how that works, especially for e-commerce. I feel like that's where you can't really go from asking a question to buying a product. You bring up an interesting point, which is things that are obviously fake. I've seen this in reviews. I've seen this in Amazon reviews quite a bit where product that has just launched suddenly has 10,000 reviews and they're all five stars and they're all from people who have, haven't bought anything else. So have you seen any changes in the broader internet in this regard? Are we getting more and more fake stuff over time or is it getting better? Are the Googles of the world becoming better at filtering it out? What's your impression? Uh, they're getting better because they're learning. The more fake reviews they see, the more they learn and hopefully they better, better they become at filtering them out. But they still learn and Yelp filters a lot of them out. Google doesn't really filter many out, but yeah, Yelp is much more strict. They're on top of it. Everything else is kind of like a free-for-all, kind of like the Wild Wild West. What about if we expand this question beyond reviews and talk about articles in general or written content or things like that? Yeah, you can't trust anything. No, everything is manipulated, even Wikipedia, all that stuff. You can't trust anything online. You gotta read like four or five articles to look for patterns. I mean, Google tries, but there's always stuff that slips through. There's people that make changes. 
I know editors at Wikipedia that they make a change and nobody looks at it. Whereas if one of us made a change, someone's going to look at it and they change big corporate websites. And yeah, I've seen them do a lot of stuff where it's like, I don't know how you should be doing this, but they're doing this and people believe whatever they read online, unfortunately, especially after I've seen over the years, people just believe what they read, which they should not believe anything they read online. They should double, triple, quadruple check it because it's just a robot putting stuff out there on these algorithms, thinking that this is the best result, but doesn't mean it's that most accurate or the best. It's just they did better marketing to get themselves to rank higher on Google. It has been a pet peeve of mine for a very long time where anything e-commerce related, it is essentially impossible for me to find a review that isn't monetized using an affiliate link. And from my perspective, if you're reading something that says reviews at the top, but all the link at the bottom are affiliate links, clearly those aren't reviews because a person who makes money off of affiliate links has no incentive to say anything negative. They will get less clicks. And if I search best laptop or mattress reviews or anything like this, doesn't matter what the product is, it seems like the top 30 results on Google are all link farms as far as I'm concerned. So how can we, looking at this as an ecosystem, try to fight against this? Just ban any website with affiliate links. This is a filter that we've implemented in the other web. But I'm trying to figure out from your perspective, does this seem like too crude a solution? Is there a more nuanced way to figure out what is real content and what is content that is just there to monetize something? I mean, if you ban those affiliate links, I don't think anyone write those articles. So if you're searching for best laptop, you might get two or three people that write an article where it's like New York Times or something like that, but you're not going to get all the individuals that are doing it. So but that's what people do actually when they search best laptop Reddit, because they only want the people who wrote it on Reddit and not on commercial websites, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I do because I don't trust anything online and it's all manipulated. They just put the top, the most expensive product as the top one and hope that they get the biggest commission out of it because that's all they care about. Assuming that we get to create aggregators or tools that people will then use, what filtering options can we create other than the really crude one of just block anything with affiliate links in it? I mean, Google could have done that, but I think that would put a bad user experience out there for the internet. So they realized if they do that, that's going to negatively impact everything. So let it be and then let people know, put that little thing or little asterisk at the top saying this is a sponsored article or I get paid for each purchase. So people know ahead of time that that it's not unbiased or that it's biased maybe a little bit. I think the problem might be that Google doesn't actually have an interest in blocking those. It's not that blocking them creates a worse user experience. It's that blocking them also eliminates pages that probably have Google ads from the ad networks on them. And so it would reduce their revenue if they block those partner sites. Potentially, but if you're searching for best laptop and there's only two websites that appear that are um, that are writing lists about it versus 2,000 websites that are now writing about those lists, 2,000 gives a better, more content. Google loves that content. So I feel like it's more content for them to hopefully give you a better user experience where you're searching for best laptop. Now you have tons of options versus a couple websites listing it out. So you're thinking they're just optimizing for quantity, essentially, that they want to have more results on this topic and therefore any crude filter that eliminates the majority of results is bad. They just want a good user experience. That way you keep using Google because if you search on Google and you don't get what you're looking for, you're going to go on Bing or DuckDuckGo or Ask Jeeves or another search engine versus Google gives you the best results, gives you good quality content. You're going to be like, all right, Google's good. I'm going to keep using them. Let me keep searching on them. But 
they don't give you what you're looking for, then you're going to do a different search engine. There is an assumption in there that they're still incentivized to maximize user experience as opposed to just assuming we have 92% of the market share. There's a giant moat around us because for the most part, nobody ever changes the default search engine in the browser. Therefore, our goal is to squeeze seven cents out of this search instead of five, as opposed to providing a marginally better user experience. Is it really the case that user experience is the driving force or is it just incentives driving incentives driving incentives essentially? Well, the past like two or three years, they've put a big emphasis on user experience as a big ranking factor, which makes my job kind of tough because if I rank your website for your keywords, but people go to your website and hit that back button because your website doesn't perform or doesn't look good or load slowly, then Google's going to devalue because man, you're searching on Google for a keyword and, or imagine Google sees that everyone's searching for this keyword. They click on this website that's ranked number one, but everyone hits a back button. Google's going to be like, maybe this isn't the best result because everyone keeps hitting that back button. Let's push them from number one to number two. And let's see what happens. Do people still go there and hit that back button? All right, let's keep pushing them down and down and down. Or do people go to your website and stay there? That tells Google, all right, this is a good user experience. People are finding what they're looking for. But Google is definitely looking at the user experience the past couple of years. I don't know how much they did in the past, but nowadays they're having a big, big emphasis on making sure it's a good user experience because they provide them that's how Google became popular. Imagine you search on Google and you're like, how to fix a flat tire and 10 articles appear that are the same exact article. It's a bad user experience. You'd be like, what's going on Google? That's why they don't want duplicate content because they want original content. Same with all that stuff they want or the search results. They want it to be good quality search results to have the best user experience to keep people searching on Google. So you keep searching and hopefully click on those ads and make Google more money. You mentioned a few times that they've changed something in the past few years. What specific changes have you seen besides prioritizing load time and lack of duplicates? Yeah, they don't tell you that stuff, but definitely making sure that you stay on the website so they don't just hit the back button right away, the bounce rate, looking at stuff like that. But yeah, Google is a, Google only tells you what they want to tell you, which is going to make a better user experience. So Google says, if your website loads slow, we're not going to show you at the top because that's a bad user experience. You search on Google on your cell phone and you click on that first result and it takes 10 seconds to load, it's not a good user experience. So Google said, all right, we don't want you to make websites that load slow because it looks bad on us. Same with like mobile. If your website's not mobile friendly, Google said in 2013 that we're not going to show you on mobile devices because it's a bad user experience. You don't want to like zoom in and keep scrolling and doing all that stuff. So Google's definitely put some more emphasis on it, but they don't really tell you what they're looking for. They tell you some stuff that's going to help them, but behind the scenes, they really keep it top secret. Nobody really knows how it works. Can you think of what pushed them to make a change a few years ago? Was there some development in the market that you think affected them? Mobile. Everything was mobile. Smaller device, smaller screens, everything. Yeah, back in 2013, mobile. That was a big thing. Is Google's just like, all right, now it's all mobile first. The search results are mobile first. When you're building websites, you got to make it mobile first, desktop secondary, just because majority of the traffic is coming from mobile. And Google wants to make sure that when it's on mobile, you got a lot less screen versus desktop. You can put a lot more on there. So Google doesn't want like pop-ups and all these other things that you can put on a desktop version, but on mobile, it doesn't really work as well. So Google wants again, good user experience. And I feel like that's where it came into play, where desktop, it's easy enough to navigate, but mobile screens are tough and they don't want you having some cluttered website full of text that nobody could read unless they're zooming in and making their font double or triple the size. If I can... Try to pick your brains on predictions of where this is all going. I know we already touched upon the chat GPT direction, but in general, 
Do you see any big trends in the market of how this is developing? What else Google might change in the future? What might change in the entire ecosystem that will affect Google in some way? What are we about to see in the next 10 years? I wish I knew because we'd all be billionaires if we could figure that one out. But it's tough to say what they're going to look for because they make the rules. They change it all the time. Every day, Google's algorithm changes and it's machine learning nowadays. So people don't even really know how it works. It just kind of learns on itself or by itself and keeps expanding. But as long as there's search, there'll be SEO. But it just depends how people search in the future. If they're searching on Google or ChatGPT or some other thing or even Amazon, Yelp, all that stuff could be optimized. So Anywhere people search, there's a ways to optimize for it, but we just have to see how people search in the future or are they searching or what's going to happen. But it's pretty tough. It's just trying to stay up to date with all the latest changes that Google's made already and then trying to prepare for the future. But preparing for the future just means don't do anything that's going to get you in trouble. Don't do anything spammy or too good or that really seems too good to be true because it probably is and it might give you some short-term gains, but in the long run, it's probably going to do more harm than good. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a great conversation. I'm sure my uh, listeners learned a lot about SEO and about the information ecosystem in general. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. This has been another episode of The Other Web. And even though this is not a typical topic for us, hopefully this was at least somewhat useful in understanding how we got to where we are and how the existing information ecosystem evolved to this point. Join us next time for more discussions on the information ecosystem, information quality, and the future of the internet as a whole.